Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 8.55am and we're streaming live via the 3CR website. Recent podcasts are also available on on 3CR. That's www.3cr.org.au and Freedom of Species podcast websites. That's www.freedomofspecies.org. And all previous podcasts are available by iTunes. G'day, and my name's Adam Cardellini, and also in the studio with me um, is fellow Freedom of Species host Kate Gracie. Hello. G'day. And on this week, we're, uh, this week's show, we're joined by Kristen Lee from Animal Liberation Victoria. Kristen is an activist who works with Animal Liberation Victoria and will be telling us about a series of recent actions they've been coordinating. In the past few months, ALV have been holding vigils outside of several slaughterhouses in Melbourne, Australia. And Kristen's been at the slaughterhouse at the um, vigils and will explain what they've been doing and why ALV have been holding these vigils. So thanks for joining us, Kristen. Um, And could you tell us a little bit about what Animal Liberation Victoria is, uh, who you are and what you do with ALV? Hi, Adam and Kate. Thanks for having me. Um, So I am uh, officially uh, in my work at ALV in my office role, um, volunteer coordinator and vegan outreach um, coordinator. So, and that also involves some admin roles as well. And then as a volunteer for ALV, I'm an activist primarily focusing on vegan outreach and direct actions, um, which is where I like to put my energy with my activism, um, which is why ALV is great because it it offers, we're so diverse in what we do. Um, But Animal Liberation Victoria um, formed 39 years ago, or 38 years ago now. So we're pretty close to our 40th anniversary anniversary. began as a animal protection organisation and um, over the years became an abolitionist organisation after realising that trying to give animals better conditions wasn't what they needed. They actually need to be liberated and recognised as individuals in their own right if they're going to enjoy a life free of pain and suffering. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we do, we do a, like I said, a diverse range of things from direct action to vegan outreach to... Um, uh, education on how to live vegan. Um, our focus, we have done um, other areas of animal exploitations in the past, such as um, rodeos, puppy farms. But um, in more recent years, we've decided due to, you know, lack of resources, if we really want to achieve results to animals, to really focus on animal agriculture, because that's where the majority of suffering is in terms of the um, amount of suffering and the numbers involved. So, um, and it's Absolutely. really also the core of the crux of the hardest part for people to make change in recognizing 
why animals should be liberated when when it's part of their daily routine. So if we can break through that and break those habits that have been sort of, you know, pushed on us from birth to eat animals, if we can really get to that um, change, then all the other things come, you know, will fall into place, like going to the circus or wearing leather shoes and all those all those other things. So, um, yeah, so that's where we focus most of our work is helping people change what they eat and and um, and then explaining that veganism goes way beyond that as well. Yeah, how, how do you do that? What sort of exercises do you do to to get people to to make that connection? Um, well, uh, we do vegan outreach on the streets, um, a lot of leafleting, but also video outreach now. So we show videos. Um, we we do a thing where you pay two dollars for people to sit down and watch a, a four minute video, um, and they immerse themselves in the in the, you know what's happening on this tablet with the headphones on, and they watch a video that was produced um, uh, by Aussie Farms and LV called A Thousand Eyes, um, and it's Australian standard practice, and so it breaks down that myth that this stuff doesn't happen here, and it's very graphic, and it, but it's the truth and people deserve to know the truth and and that is a really powerful form of outreach we've found and we're going to restart that again next month most likely and hopefully expand it into universities Um, but then we also have social so like our facebook vegan easy page and the vegan easy program so there's a 30-day vegan easy challenge so we offer recipes um, guidance throughout those 30 days anyone can sign up it's a free resource and um, we offer support, um, shopping tips, where to go out, all that kind of thing. So it's a really good resource. We're about to launch a new website, which is amazing. It's looking um, – the old one's a bit dated now. The, the new one's looking great. Um, updated lots of uh, – 30-day nutritionally balanced and approved um, by dietitians, 30-day meal plan. Um, yeah, so it's very exciting. So that's obviously – it's one thing to t- say to people, you know, it's, it's essential to become vegan to end animal cruelty – um, but it's another to know how to do that. So we, yeah. we're, we're really trying to educate in there and then obviously lots of food photos that we're putting out there to show that um, living vegan can be, a, you know, is a very delicious way of living. So, yeah. Absolutely. And that, that idea that you just touched on, um, making sure that people can sort of not only know that going vegan is a good thing, but also actually being able to do it, which is this idea of self-efficacy, mm. is one of the biggest barriers to behavioural change in um, for any sort of behavioural change. So it's fantastic that play, people like, or groups like ALV and yourself are working on that self-efficacy mm. um, sort of angle. It's yeah, good to see. absolutely. And I've noticed um, over the last year, I suppose, there's been, ALV's also been doing some more um, direct action. Um, there was the lock-ons at a egg egg factory or an egg farm in near Bendigo mm-hmm. and then more recently you've been running these vigils at uh, out the front of slaughterhouses in Melbourne can you tell us a little bit more about um, the direct action that you do and then also um, a little bit more about these vigils in particular yeah so the um the first ALV started going to the front door of the slaughterhouse about three years ago. Sorry, I lie. There, there was an action in 2003 in Brisbane where some activists locked onto the kill floor um, and that received global global uh, media coverage um, and they were locked on for quite some hours so they stopped the kill line. Um, then it's sort of, there wasn't much happening in that kind of direct action in the slaughterhouse. It was more focusing on the sheds for quite some years and, and exposing free range and systems such as this that are used to, to lull the public into this sense of comfort that animals are treated well before they're killed. Um, so we've only really just started getting back to the slaughterhouse the last few years. Uh, the Bendigo action wasn't officially an ALV action, although a lot of ALV people, uh, ALV people did support that and were there, um, 
uh, it was officially an Aussie Farms action, but the ALV um, and, and actually AL New South Wales working together. But we did Pig Truth, um, which was uh, about the fourth more recent slaughterhouse action where we locked on to the uh, gas chamber at Diamond Valley Pork in Laverton yeah. yep. um, in December 2015. So we just had the one-year anniversary vigil of that recently um, and went back to DVP. But um, so we've... A lot of that that um, that was inspired really by Patty Mark, the founder of ALV, really wanting to get back into the slaughterhouse to the to the core of where the violence takes place. So, no matter how the animals are treated, and the vast, vast, vast majority, if not all, suffer actually all suffer some form of cruelty and exploitation before they get to the slaughterhouse in varying levels of cruelty, but mostly extreme. Um, but it's there where the root of the evil, you know, exists and the ending of their life exists and the, the, the killing, taking, the taking of life. So we really think that's such an important part of advocacy is to get right to that, the core of, of the killing. Um, and so from Pig Truth, we've been in communication with Anita Krung, Crunch. I hope I said that right, Anita, <laughs> uh, who runs Toronto Pig Save, who started a few years ago and they call them vigils and the idea is to... Um, uh, to be at the the place before the animals go into the slaughterhouse and to document them and to help people connect the faces to what is about to be on their plate. So it's that end of the line for them. Um, and you can see their suffering in the trucks. You can see their will to live. You can see their fear. And the idea is to really bring that into the homes of people um, via mainstream media and social media and, and get them to to con- make that connection Um we were very standoffish in joining these vigils for quite some time and it has been in conversation with Patty for a while and we 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 have a thing with bearing witness. We don't believe that's enough to bear mm. witness and ALV has never been an organisation to bear witness. Whenever we have exposed the atrocities, we always um, put that with some kind of rescue and direct action. Um, uh, but we also understand the power in people seeing this. Um, and I think the term bear witness is more the problem. I don't think that's what Toronto Pig Save are actually doing. They're sharing images to the world. They're not just standing there and watching themselves. And that's what yep. we're doing. We're taking the images and we don't think it's enough to just look at the animals ourselves and comfort them and give them water, which is a wonderful thing to do. But we're also taking those images, sharing them with the world and actually stopping the trucks while we're there and making a statement that the animals do not need to go into this slaughterhouse. They should be liberated. They shouldn't be here. And we'll, we'll, we want to show that that we want that to grow. We want thousands of people at the slaughterhouse doors. And this is just the beginning of that, really. Yeah. So when, you, when you're interrupting these trucks, I mean, you're stopping trucks getting in there, could it be argued that you're just... You're just delaying the inevitable. So the same number of pigs are going to end up being killed. You've just interrupted them and at the end of the week the same number is going to be slaughtered. Is that right? Yep, um, that could be argued. Um, I would say the longer the system is slowed, you might think that at some point down the line it might slow the number of kills, but ultimately the, the truck that is there that we're holding back is going to go through eventually um it's the thing we grapple with ourselves and we mm-hmm. we discuss ourselves as in how long do we want to hold this truck back um are they suffering more because we're holding this truck back we're very we're very aware of that um and it's a hard thing but we know at the end of the day and we tell ourselves if it was us on that truck even though I, my life is about to end 
do I want my face shown to save my mother and father and my brothers and sisters and my 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 own children and I would say my answer to that would be yes and I think most people's would be and if it means I'm going to be in this truck for an additional 10 minutes or 20 minutes or one hour after we've got to remember these animals have been in those trucks for a long long time and have come out of horrific for the majority horrific sheds especially Mm. for the pigs and the chickens um, for their whole life and have never even breathed fresh air or seen daylight so we have to keep reminding ourselves as hard as that is that that is the case and remember that once they go into the slaughterhouse, they're often kept in pens, very squashed. They can't even see where the water is in the pen. Um, maybe not quite as, as bad as in the truck, but not far off. Um, so, And they can smell the blood and they, they know where they're going and the fear is extraordinary. So it's, you know, it's not like we're preventing them from going to a beautiful place. We're, we're trying to prevent them from going to their death. So... Mm. And bringing and bringing everyone's attention exactly. to it in the process, which I imagine is the most important thing at that point. Exactly, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems to be very similar to strategies in the environmental movement, where they're um, locking and uh, there's clear differences, and obviously it makes it harder for animal rights um, activists to do these sorts of things. But uh, so locking on to trains or stopping stopping coal from being moved from from uh, the where it's being mined to the to the ships and even stopping a coal train for a couple of hours could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars mm, absolutely. and it's when you are if if this happens enough is there going to be an impact on mm. the bottom line and the dollar for these uh for these companies that who, who are abusing and oppressing other individuals oh yeah it's like we're we're scaring them we are they they are terrified of us in a in a financial sense they know that what we're doing is powerful and that's why they're cracking down um so we, that's a really strong sign to us that what we're doing is working um, they employ security guards. Um, Diamond Valley Pork employs um, security guards every time they see us coming. So that's more money that's mm. costing them. Mm. They have them there the whole day, quite a lot of them, um, so that we can't push beyond that front gate. Um, JBS, we'll get to that as well, but obviously would have cost a fortune to someone that day. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely affecting the bottom line. Um whether it will be enough to, to send them broke is a different story because these, these companies have a lot of money. Um, but uh, the aim is ultimately for us to to show the faces of the suffering victims and to help people make that connection and to, to say that bearing witness is not enough. We are showing you their faces and we're asking you to change. And we have actually have rescued animals through these vigils already. So oh, it hasn't actually just been, just been stopping. We have been taking animals out and giving them new lives. I saw um, last night I was on, online and I saw some articles in the rural press is that the, the rural pre- the, the livestock industry and the, have been it was the, the, the rural press reported that the livestock industry is getting quite anxious about the rise in vegetarianism and veganism mm-hmm. and it's something that they're actually monitoring and they're actually creating strategies around they're creating their advertising around this rise in vegetarianism, vegetarianism and veganism. Wow. So that was yeah. that was fantastic to read. Mm. You know that that you that these actions are putting the wind up them, and Absolutely. they are as an industry trying to work out best responses. What to do exactly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. With that, we might just take a quick break and listen to a song. The 18th National Sustainable Living Festival is on again from the 4th to the 28th of February 2017. 
As dangerous climate change continues to threaten the things we care about, a sustainable lifestyle and restoring a safe climate is more important than ever. Featuring leading forums, artworks, talks, exhibitions and a new online festival program, it's time to ramp up the message and protect the things you care about. Event applications and full details at slf.org.au. A 3CR supporter. And you're listening to Freedom of Species on 855 AM 3CR Community Radio. And today we're talking to Kristen Lee from Animal Liberation Victoria about the recent vigils that they've been holding out front of slaughterhouses. So, Kristen, we're hoping you could tell us a little bit about what the experience of the activists at the slaughterhouses has been. Yeah, um, people cope very differently, obviously, with this kind of trauma. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, for me personally, um, I feel like when we're there... And we're united and there's this real strength and solidarity between us. It's really powerful. Uh, it's really inspiring and, you know, it brings often a lot of us to tears when the trucks aren't even there that we that we just all have this common goal and that we're irrelevant of other differences. We'll come together and, and staying united in, in really quite extreme circumstances for what we have to – what we see and for what we experience from the authorities – and the uh, slaughterhouse workers themselves. Um, so, yeah, from from I guess everyone has a mixed response. Some people deal with it very, you know, won't show much emotion on the day but might might go away and then deal with it in their own way there and, and vice versa. So um, for everyone it's obviously traumatic in, in some respect and, and I don't think that really comes down to how much experience you've had doing this kind of thing. I think... Mm you just have your way and um, all we can do is be there for each other and um, give, you know, recommendations of who people can talk to and offer support our, ourselves as organisers and, and marshals and um, and checking on people is really important. So after vigils we're always checking in to see how everyone's coping, give, um, you know, numbers to be on blue and lifeline and, yep. um, you know, let people know that there is mental health plans that the government um uh, they probably hate to know that we might be using them for this, uh, but mental health plans that um, that you can get, you know, rebates on through Medicare to to speak to professionals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you preempted my next question, which is what support? Because <laughs> I I have spoken to a few people from um, that have been to the vigils, and they say that it's quite affecting. It's very emotional, and that they um, they become very emotional after or during the event. Yeah, that. When we we often see things online through videos, but it compares, it's nothing like seeing it in real life and knowing that these individuals that you're standing right next to will be going to slaughter in a matter of hours. Especially Um, when you're very aware of that slaughter process and you've seen the footage of what they're about to go through. It's, yeah, it's it's really intense and devastating. Mm, yep, definitely traumatic. Mm. So it's good to hear that you do have that that system of helping and letting people know where they can get mm. can get um, help from. Yeah. Um, yep. So what if if someone was to come on a vigil, what would they what would they could they expect during the day? What do you do when you're there? What is the process of um, of these vigils? You you 
visit several different slaughterhouses during mm-hmm. a day, don't you? Yeah. So the last one, for example, was uh, very long. I, th- I think it was 16 hours, a 16-hour vigil. We've never done that before and we probably won't do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we meet at very early in the morning because Beta, where, which is one of the chosen slaughterhouses currently, but it won't always be, uh, it's actually closing down in a few months, the Laverton um, plant, they bring the chickens in at night because they're calmer and so they're easier to throw around. Basically, they don't fight as much. So um, so we need to get there very early to capture those chicken trucks and then from there they tend to slow down. Um, so the idea is, sorry, when we're, when we're at each slaughterhouse is that we stand in front of the trucks to stop the trucks from entering the slaughterhouse to, to one, make that statement to the public. We film all of this, of course. Two, to um, show comfort and aid and, and care and love to the animals inside, to rescue them where possible uh, and to show the public what trauma they're suffering and like a lot of these animals, uh, their wings, uh, the chickens, their wings are stuck, um, broken bones, splay legs, covered in feces. Um, so it's really showing the nitty-gritty of um, some of these um, chicken. you know, have been in these trucks for hours on end and and so it's they're really, really in awful condition by the time they arrive um, and they've come from sheds where they're crammed, you know, among 40,000 other chickens, maybe more. So, um, yeah, so showing what's going on in the trucks. They're the sort of main aims of the day. And ideally, you know, stopping the trucks and shutting down the slaughterhouse, that's the goal we're aiming for long term. We're not quite there yet. We need the numbers, but that's what we're going for to build this. And then from there, once that slows, we'll move to the next slaughterhouse. So at the moment, that's been Diamond Valley Pork or JBS. So last time, um, so we might say go to Diamond Valley Pork around the corner, which is – uh, a very large uh, pig slaughterhouse, which is actually the one we locked on to in December 2015 and shut down for about six hours on the gas chamber and got lots of media coverage for that. Uh, so similar things, stop the trucks, show what's going on to the pigs inside. And then again, so it's pretty much the same thing at each. So JBS does uh, cows and sheep ma- mainly. Um, so so again, doing that there. So we're trying to cover you know, and they're all very close to each other. I don't know if anyone's been to Laverton and Brooklyn, but it smells of death. It is just an awful, the feeling, the smell, the air, the sounds. You can hear animals screaming from the street. It is like hell in Melbourne. It is It is a pocket of hell. How far, um, how far out of Melbourne is this, just for people who are It's literally just off the ring road, um, five, five, two minutes off the ring road. Um, yeah. So from the city centre, that's about, what, 20 minutes? Maximum, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. super close. And yeah. Melbourne's a city of, what, three to four million people? So to have – and that's, that's smack bang in the middle of suburban Melbourne, isn't mm. it? So yeah. it's not even in a rural area or anything. It's right in the centre of um, urban Melbourne yeah. in the west. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and – I just feel I've seen some on driving their houses, some people live nearby and I just, I just, I don't know if it's that's because it's close for the workers. Maybe it's workers living there. I'm not sure, but uh, you just would not personally, no disrespect to those people, be a very hard place to live. You'd be seeing trucks going past every day, um, you know, cow, mm. uh, sheep hide, cow hides. Um, uh, you, yeah, it's, it's a really awful, awful feeling being there. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of, that's the process we generally go through, but you can never plan exactly what's going to happen. Um, you need, you need to be prepared that your plan might get completely thrown out of whack and the slaughterhouse you're about to go to might not be able to go that day. You might be going to another one 
and uh, they 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 hide the trucks. We've just heard recently that they're stopping them maybe half an hour before the um, slaughterhouse to spray inside so they're not as dirty, so we can't capture how bad they look, getting the animals who are really unwell to stand up. How do they know that you're coming? Uh, well, we just show up essentially um, and then they we get there so early that the word goes out quick. Oh, and, I see. Yeah. To, um, the, to their origins yeah, where they're sending the trucks from. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So they'll yeah. just start sending the messages out to everyone. Yeah, right. Because, um, I mean, they're all quite close. So if we show up at Bay 8 or at 4 in the morning, yeah. DVP have plenty of warning that we're probably going to be there by 9. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you – is this is this sort of like a um, – a, secretive thing is it something that you don't let out very very widely so it's a tricky the, one the lid on it before <laughs> you actually get there yeah um ideally yeah you don't want infiltrators but it's something that will will potentially have to be open to you, you can't control sometimes so we do try to keep it to trusting people know what we're doing but at the same time we want to grow mm. so it's a tricky one we want we want thousands of people there so we have to um, be smart in the way we do that as best we can and try to make it that people only tell people they know and trust and that's what we've been doing so far. If it turns out they know we're coming, we're not going to stop. We're still going to be there. Um, like I would imagine they knew we were coming last Thursday with that strong police presence. Um, so all we can do is we just have to go on with it um, yeah. and just change tactic pot- potentially if, if they're more prepared than we hoped they would have been. Yeah, absolutely. So, how many of the how many of the vigils have you have you done so far? Is it eight? Yeah, yep. And that's been since when did you start doing the vigils? I think about mid mid to late last year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And has there always so? Um, I I sort of became aware of these quite recently uh, after I saw on online and in the news uh, the most recent vigil, which uh, you said was two Thursdays ago, I think. Um, and you did go for 16 hours and there was quite a strong media presence at this particular vigil because there was a really high and really strong police police presence. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had that experience before where there's been, is there always police there to meet you? And what was different about previous vigils compared to this one on uh, just a couple of weeks ago where there were quite a number of police? Uh, yeah, so previous vigils, there's always been police show up at some point and they tend to work with us in the sense that um, we do stand in front of the trucks and we do stop them, but eventually the drivers start getting – some of them don't stop and will drive through us and you are jumping onto the truck or getting out of the way, depending um, how fast they're going. Who's breaking the law at that point in time? <laughs> uh, the truck driver, yeah, because right. they can clearly see that we're there. So that would that would be manslaughter, I would imagine. But even if if, if they don't kill you or hurt you, is, this, is, there, a, is, there, is there a law broken if they don't? they don't actually hurt you? Um, I mean, it could be seen as reckless driving or something mm. minor like that, I'm guessing. I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, attempted murder potentially <laughs> if you wanted to go because we've got high-vis vests on and, and big signs that say stop violence. It's so, deliberate if they've, yes. they're driving slowly through a bunch of people. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so once we – once uh, the pol- – yeah, so the police will come and so far to keep – safety what they've done is negotiated because they're in that position where they're like oh well you have a right to peaceful protest but Mm. we also have a right to protect this industry um they believe they you know it's their job to protect the industry to operate as well so um and we're become we're getting in the way of that so there's kind of this sort of negotiation where they say okay 
will allow you allow you we would do it anyway so I don't like to use that term mm. to um to stand and and but can you just do it for a certain amount of time and let them through so so far have kind of been accepting that negotiation so we can capture um we can rescue where possible we can we can capture that imagery um and show that to the world and show show compassion to the animals on board um and then we do step out of the way um we we even feel funny about that but that's sort of where we've been at this to this point to at least be able to get that visual or else they might just drive through us so we've kind of had to you know to negotiate in a sense um which you know we're going to keep learning and growing and changing tactics but that's where it's been so far um with the last one uh the police presence if anyone saw it on we got mainstream news and loads of social media um there were probably uh, and probably 200 police officers 200 maybe maybe 150 um mm. there How many were protesters? mounted police there were probably uh, throughout the day oh, 80, at, any, at any one time at any one time 60 to 80 wow so more than double the amount of yeah. police to protest yes and obviously wow. we're peaceful and they know that they know alv are a peaceful non-violent direct action organization yeah so totally unwarranted um we still haven't worked out where it came from there's lots of different stories yeah. um floating about but um there were that many police officers we had mountain police we had the um public order response teams we had uh riot vans um we, we were just standing there in shock we none mm. of us have ever seen anything like it they just kept coming and coming and coming and we we're just standing there like in our high vis with our little stop violence vests <laughs> And it was like there had been this terrorist attack. You yeah. know, it was insane. Wow. Um, and were they aggressive in their manner? Did they... they were very direct. Like they did, wouldn't talk to us. Usually there's always a conversation. They wouldn't talk to us. They wouldn't negotiate. They wouldn't. They were just like, you will not be stopping any trucks today. That is it. So obviously that forced us to to um, battle them non-violently by sitting and locking arms and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think we did an amazing job complete considering we had no idea what was about to come at us and we did the full 16 hours, we stopped trucks, we documented, um, we weren't able to get very close to the trucks most of the time but we found trucks at DVP, we found two pig, two, two trucks full of pigs around the corner which made the news as well which was great and we got very close up to them and got to get our, our cameras inside and document those pigs so they couldn't, you know, control us completely. There was... People, you know, we were just disbanding to different slaughterhouses and managing to achieve our aim. So, like I said, you have to be sort of prepared to, to go with whatever's happening. But we were all ultimately in shock. But at the end of the day, it worked in our favour because it gave us a lot of media. Um, the media may have come anyway. Um, I think they would have come anyway, but whether some would have stuck around as long if, if mm. there wasn't so much action and police presence. Yep. Um, we don't know. So, yes, it definitely worked in our favour and ultimately made the police look bad, I believe, because it was clear that we were being peaceful and they were, they were being um, heavy-handed. Yeah. And what was the kind of – was there a public response to that and, and was it was the public response favourable or not? I was a mix. I mean, you always get the, the comments online that we're, you know, going to lose – people lose their jobs and mm. and um, other, other various, you know, complaints. But there was a lot of support as well. So, yeah, definitely a worthwhile action for sure. And a lot of people connecting with the animals as well. A lot of people saying, oh, my gosh, that's horrific what they're about to go through. Obviously linking it to the undercover footage we have from the slaughterhouses helps too where we can so people can educate themselves on, on these supposed humane methods of killing. 
Yeah, it's sort of linking linking the individuals again to their individuality, making them uh, others other than, or you know, giving them um, real life rather than just something that gets killed in a factory mm-hmm. somewhere. Exactly, you're seeing them before the factory because most of the footage that we have is either in in a in, in, a, in an abattoir or a slaughterhouse or um, at a factory farm. We don't see them outside of those sorts of things. So it's another piece to their story, I mm, suppose, yeah. that we don't see a lot of. Yeah. And and I was just looking at the online. There was a, a, a free free to air major TV um, company in Australia that that posted this their footage online, and I think it was by this morning had seven hundred and 50,000 views like that is that's a lot of views and they were actually quite um quite even-handed compared to usual like we often see these things and they just go after the activists and say some pretty outlandish things but particularly one of the one of the um the tv companies was quite evenly handed yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, we were quite impressed with um, the mainstream media that we got. Mm. Um, it certainly wasn't um, one-sided to the industry. It was. It was more. I felt it uh, was more to us because yeah. it was pretty hard to swing that against us. We, <laughs> we're, we're showing the suffering of individual innocent beings, and we're trying to help them. I mean, it's pretty hard to, and we're getting, um, you know, arrested for it or potentially arrested for it, it's pretty hard to swing that against us when we're being peaceful. And that's so why it's so important to remain peaceful and nonviolent as well because if they can swing, if anyone can swing it against you, they, they will try to. So it's really important to, yeah, to remain um, ethical in all your action. And I, I think you're right, like, because they, they even showed the footage of, of the um, pigs in the truck and if they were to come on and say, oh, these people shouldn't be doing it after showing <laughs> these pigs in atrocious conditions, mm. I imagine there would have been a bit of backlash against exactly. them. So they're almost forced to, to be um, a little bit more even-handed in their um, appraisal of the situation because of the footage that you guys are collecting. That's right. Which is... Um, which is very, very interesting. It is. It's really good. It's really powerful. And there's the other thing with doing these kind of vigils. I mean, a lot of people I know who I are, when you talk about what, why did you become vegan, um, a lot of them will say it was when I saw a truck. For me personally, um, you know, many years ago, it's sort of my sort of dietary <laughs> choices, if you want to call them that, changed much from there over the years but eventually ended up with veganism. But my first moment of the light, like the opening my eyes was a slaughterhouse truck on King's mm. Way with a, and I looked at that sheep and I looked at that sheep, the sheep and I connected eyes and it changed my life. It just took a quite a long, it took a while from there to get to, to where I got to but a lot of people say the same thing. So, yep. yeah, I don't know if you've noticed but they're they're kind of designing them now to, be to, to be higher and things yeah. because and they're, put, and they're putting reason. walls on it yes. so you can't even see the see animals them. inside can, and if they get their head up high enough you might just get a glimpse of their eyes I mean yep. they, they know that people don't want to see this yep. mm. and they know that most, most people whatever they're doing at the moment ultimately don't agree with animal suffering and yeah so they're going to they're going to keep pushing and we're going to keep pushing and the battle will be won by the right side. Indeed. Yeah. I've, what I found remarkable with pigs is, um, you know, their eyes are so full of expression that a, a pig mm. who's going to slaughter, their eyes are quite different to a pig who's relaxed, free-ranging, whatever. Yeah. It's, they, they, you know, they say the eyes are a window to the soul and it is so the case with yep. a pig. Yeah. That a pig who's happy and content have got eyes that are quite hu- human-like. Mm. Yep. And then a pig that's going to slaughter, their eyes 
are radically different. Mm. And I wish I could that more people could have the opportunity to see the difference between a relaxed pig and a very stressed pig that knows he's about to die. Yeah, mm. absolutely. It, it speaks volumes. Yep. Yeah. And I think I think pigs are um, becoming sort of more pre- uh, present in the minds of the general public just as individuals because mm. they've got a big presence on social media. Mm. There's um, there's really famous pigs out there and, mm. and people can, uh, when you bring a or compare an animal like a pig to a, a, a species or a um, animal that people recognise as intelligent, uh, say dogs and things like that, then they actually it actually brings them up in the individuals' minds. Mm. It sort of makes them realise that oh, okay, so they're not actually that different. Yeah, I think I've se- I've been seeing that a lot lately. Yeah. There's a lot of pigs out there. People are recognising that they're they're very. Um, I mean, they're worth saving, and all of them are. The, yeah. she- the sheep, the pigs, the cows, the chickens, yeah. Yeah. every single one of them. Regardless of their saving. perceived intelligence. Exactly, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that I noticed that uh, there was the – so these police at the, uh, at the vigils with the red vests, and I've come across them before at other activist um, events, and they often come in big numbers. And they're the—they're actually the public order response team. They're a special unit that was developed in um, 2011. They used to be called something else, but they're basically there to uh, put down protesters and activists in Melbourne. And there's quite a quite a number. How's of that them. different to a riot police? Um, so I think so. I've, ac- I've actually got the term like what. The police, the Victorian police, say is the role of the um, port or public order response team. So they say, I'll, I'll quote here: the primary objective of port is to restore and maintain public order in volatile and/or hostile crowd environments and certain emergency management situations. Members are trained in specific tactics to deal with public order and riot situations that may occur across Victoria. And is this just a is this just a nicer name for a riot squad? Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Um, they, I mean, they don't come in big big trucks, I suppose, and have battering rams and stuff like that, or um, or big uh, shields. But they're definitely very intimidating. When I when I first came across them, they were always the really big, the really big police, and they just had this presence that was a little bit different to um, your average day uh, police officer. Mm. And I've seen them in a similar. Not exact, exactly the same situation, but a very similar um, situation for a environment. Uh, actually, a refugee uh, activist activist um, movement. So, this group was um, working towards uh, closing certain or pressuring certain companies that were working in offshore detention, and they were going to this company's. Um, sites across the city so they're a car parking company and they were doing this regularly for several months and then one day they went to a particular car park and just tens dozens and dozens of these um, port police came and just blocked off everything and shut it down very very quickly they stayed there to to protest but it was it seemed like a very similar Mm. um, situation where it just got to a point someone was feeling a little bit too much pressure Mm. and they send in these big Mm. this big um, stick yeah. So I wonder, so does the old school riot squad, do they actually still exist or has this port acronym, has that replaced the I don't, riot I don't squad? Actually, I don't actually know. That's why I'm wondering think... if it literally is just a name change or, yeah. if, or if there's the riot squad as well. Yeah. No, I reckon there is probably a riot squad. I think riot squad might be a little bit more full on. Or I'm could, not sure. Could it be the port police just 
equip themselves more differently, differently yeah. for, a, for they scale up where yeah. necessary, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just wondering if what, yeah. why port exists and who they replace or if they don't replace. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's in, it's interesting that we that we seem to need these these um, specialised police to deal with uh, non-violent protesters who are doing everything legally um, and have a right to protest in mm. public places. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an interesting situation. Exactly. So at, at these vigils that you've been holding, were there any charges made of protesters? Were I, any laws broken and charges laid? There were two arrests um, because each truck that came we would sit in front of and there was a what you might call the what they refer might have thought as the the more troublemakery types who repeatedly went in front of the trucks because each time we did that we had to get dragged off one by one in this kind of systematic thing that they do. Yeah. Um, and there were and they would take your name etc. And there were a few people that did that repeatedly. So you got a warning after a few go times. Yeah. Felt like a bit of a circus actually but then if you did it again after that warning you yeah. did get arrested so two people did did i'm pretty sure the two arrests were for that i know one definitely was i'm not sure if the other one was for uh, absolutely but um yeah they're not really considering you know it just shows that if that's all it was for i mean whether they'll go through with that and lay charges i i highly doubt really yeah. there's not a lot going you know yes you you disobeyed and sat back in front of a Truck. Was that the charge, like disobeying police uh, orders? Causing or like public disturbance, okay. I think. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting situation. But we'll just go to a, another um, song and we'll meet you back on the other side. The 18th National Sustainable Living Festival is on again from the 4th to the 28th of February 2017. As dangerous climate change continues to threaten the things we care about, a sustainable lifestyle and restoring a safe climate is more important than ever. Featuring leading forums, artworks, talks, exhibitions and a new online festival program, it's time to ramp up the message and protect the things you care about. Event applications and full details at slf.org. Songs of our time, teachers of our story. Let it be written in the maze, the survival of a culture is the reason that we made it. Join 3CR for our Invasion Day broadcast on January 26th. Tune into 3CR between 11am and 4pm for our Treaty Now special broadcasts. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land and Aboriginal law. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on your radio. Uh, We're listening to Kristen Lee from ALV and the tune that we just heard was from Marker's album Life in Cartoon Motion, Grace, the song title Grace Kelly. Um, so Kristen, I think we, we're almost done, but if is there anything else you'd like to add about what ALV's been working on or, or what events are coming up in the future? Yeah, um, I guess I just wanted to add that when you asked about the activists and the, the experience they have, um, I think for a lot of us the thing that really stands out the most is knowing that um, these animals have come, you know, from very horrific existence already 
And what really sticks with you is um, when you connect with them and look in their eyes and spend some moments with them is um, their will to still live. You can really, there's fear. For some, they're very, very ill. We've we've had animals already dead on the truck and animals die in front of us on the truck because they're so ill, um, which we point out to the police and they do nothing. So they, it just highlights there there is no protection for animals whatsoever, um, but particularly animals used for food. Um, but also just to yeah, but to see those ones that are suffering and have come from a miserable life and their their desire to still live on is is quite mind blowing. Um, their determination and their will, um, and they they can smell what's about to happen. They they know, so um, and they can feel it. So um, so I think that's something just to leave listeners with as well is to to, to understand that um, and other activists to 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 sort of you know, know that, that we're all together and the importance of these vigils to t- try to motivate people to come along um, and know that we all uh, look out for each other and you don't have to stand in front of a truck. You can be on the sidelines getting footage. Um, you can just be there holding a sign. But obviously we want everyone to feel as confident as possible to go to the lengths we feel we need to as well. So, um, yeah, then there's the ALV website, alv.org.au. There's an app- volunteer application form on there. You can fill in to get involved. And the uh, March to Close or Slaughterhouses is coming up. That's not an ALV official event, but um, it's coming up on March 11 in the CBD. So you can come along to that and march. Mel- that's and, Melbourne CBD. Yeah, yeah. In Melbourne CBD. And yep. that should be a very big and powerful day. Fantastic. And I think we've got some community announcements. Kate, do you have some? Yeah, I've got some. Do you want to start with yours? Yeah, okay, I've got one. Um, So there's the Sustainable Living Festival coming up in Melbourne on um, the 10th of February and the they always do a great debate at the start of the event on the Friday night on the 10th and this year it's actually called Meet Your Climate Crisis and they're talking about um, the impact of animal agriculture and particularly meat on the climate and they're going to have uh, Peter Singer as a guest speaker and other people that have who can um, talk about this situation or this um, discussion, this topic. So that's probably a good one if we can get lots of animal activists there or animal um, rights movement people to ask some curly questions. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go to that one. That's good. Thanks for the heads up. I've got some community announcements too. So next weekend, that's the 28th to the 29th of January, Sea Shepherd's Marine Debris Campaign is holding beach cleanups in a variety of locations across Australia. There's going to be in North Perth, in Maroochydore, in Adelaide, in Fremantle, and here in Melbourne in St Kilda. And details are on their Facebook page. And then Farm Animal Rescue is holding a tofurkey barbecue at New Farm, Brisbane. Cheltenham Cat Rescue will have a bake sale at Bunnings in Mentone, Melbourne. And both those fundraising events are on Sunday, January the 29th. And details are on their respective Facebook pages and eventually they'll make their way onto the Freedom of Species Facebook page also. And one more, there's a, there's a pop-up singing group has started to support the creation of the Great Forest National Park oh, yes. in Victoria. So they've already had one practice session last week. There's two more practice sessions to go before they do one big final sing outside the Victorian Parliament as part of a Great Forest National Park rally. So practice the next two practice sessions are are in North Fitzroy on the next two Thursday evenings. That's the 22nd of Jan and the 2nd of Feb. And the fi- that final scene for the, at the rally is on Tuesday evening, the 7th of February. So that will be a lot of fun and all different um, voices and 
whatever, everyone's welcome to get involved. You don't have to go to both the next practice sessions, but if you could get to one, really good, one at least. Um, so details are on uh, their Facebook page, which is called Sing Talangi. That's Talangi, T-O-O-L-A-N-G-I. They've, they've also got a website, greatforestnationalpark.com.au. And there'll be another post about it. There's already one post on the Freedom of Species Facebook page and there'll be another one shortly. Uh, that's, they're the community announcements I've got for you. Fantastic. What a great idea. Yeah, so I know. Isn't that fun? If you've got a um, set of lungs, head yeah, down there and, yeah. and have a sing. It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> I won't subject anyone to my voice, but if I had ha- a half a decent voice, I'd be involved. <laughs> um, and I'd just like to th- thank um, Kristen for coming in and telling us about the vigils and good luck with them in the future. I thank imagine you. they're continuing and everything else that ALV is doing in the um, in the animal movement. You, you guys do a, a wonderful job. Thank so you thank so you. much. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Kate. We'll talk to you next time. See you soon. Okay. Bye. Please, fellas, you're under arrest. What do I do? Um, call a lawyer? Hello, Fitzroy Legal Service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you are arrested, you should make a no-comment interview. A no-comment interview? Yeah. Well, how do I do that? You say... No, no comment! To everything? Yes, except your name and address. Every other question you should answer with no comment. So if he asks me what colour my shoes are, I say no comment? Yes, you say... No, no comment! To everything? Yes. Say no, no comment. comment. If you are arrested, exercise your right to contact a lawyer and say no comment. Fitzroy Legal Service proudly supporting 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.